got a disease and there's only one cure for it. America's first black female doctor. Fighting racism and sexism with a stethoscope and a tongue depressor, Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler healed her way into trailblazer status. This is History the Sequel. Ciara! Hello! Good, good afternoon, young lady. Does anyone ever say that? It's afternoon yet. Oh, good more. <laughs> okay, tell me what you've been up to this summer. Concerts, movies, um, trading posts. When did we last see each other? I think a month and a half ago. Okay, so I got my nose pierced yesterday. You did? Wait. Yeah. Why can't I see it? You oh my God, it? it's so tiny. Oh I love God, it. Oh my God, you scared me. I was like, did it fall off? No, I love it. Yeah. It's so... Some I people get their nose... simple. Mm. Because I wanted That's to be able to Italian. wear jewelry and not have it, you know, Conflict. clash with yeah. anything. Because that would have made me angry and then regret it. How... What did it feel like? I have a video I can show you. So basically, my mom got her tragus done as well. Her what? Her tragus. It's like the that little. Oh, I the, have to show you on the that, that they sometimes the do with um when people have migraines. It's that little like thing in the middle of your ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God damn, though that must have hurt. Yeah, it did because that's cartilage. Well, not not the cartilage part. It's that little that little like half circle of your ear where you would put the earphone, like you tuck it behind. You would tuck oh, your earphone behind it, okay. that part of the ear. Okay, got it. Um, yeah. No, that's cartilage. Yeah. Yeah, and it's thick. So It sounds like... I think it did, like, the initial pain did probably hurt, but then you have to pop? also... Um, I have no idea. You have to then try to put the jewelry in, but since it's, like, an intricate spot, it probably did hurt a lot. But she took it like a champ. Um, well, she gave birth, so she, that's yeah, probably, she's probably much harder. She's probably way, way... That was probably way better, but... She's like, what else you got for me? <laughs> For the nose piercing, it I think I was so scared that it was gonna hurt that the actual like piercing part didn't hurt, but the relief like I made a weird relief sound because I think I was relieved of the fact that it didn't really hurt, but it was more so like the amount of stress that I had built up to the moment. I don't know how to explain. I it. understand like, you exactly can see what you're it in saying. the video that my face, like I'm not even really in pain. I'm more so like it's over. Okay, it's over. How do they get the? They put the gun in your nose. Not gun. No one should use guns. I'm gonna say that guns were used back in my day and back in your day. Oh yeah, for ears, for noses, Claire's for everything. boutique. Yeah, not good because basically the gun uses blunt force trauma to like rip through your skin. Yeah. So what do they use now? They use a hollow needle. It's not like a huge one where they're making a hole, a huge hole. I can show you a picture of it. It's not scary, but that way it Like actually, how they used to do belly rings? Yeah. Oh. So that way it actually goes through and it creates like an actual perfect location and it doesn't rip through your skin. Now, this is interesting. See, I, I have three holes in each ear, mm -hmm. two professionally gunned, mm -hmm. blunt force trauma, and yeah. one- Done by a good old ice cube and oh, sewing no. needle. I would never. By myself. Oh, I did no. it to myself. That's terrible. You know, there was a time. <laughs> there was a time where I would do something like that to myself. But that, those three holes, mm -hmm. they're not all grown back. They never do, apparently. But I can't wear anything anymore because my ears are so sensitive to anything. Me too. My second so hole, I got it done at Claire's. I don't know where my first ones were Claire's. done. I know I, everyone did. That's where everyone went because it's cheap. Where else are you going to go? It's cheap. And then that's probably why my second holes are terrible right now. But I remember it hurting so bad because literally it just takes like the dull end of the earring and like boop. 
So and you I, can't clean it. You can't clean the gun. No, it's just they it's don't. Really clean bad. It. They do, don't. Do you? They go through like seven. And then kids to a day. see when I see newborns getting it done, I'm like, oh no, please. Yeah. Can you just give them a couple years? Yeah. Don't pierce your kid, your baby's ears, and don't circumcise them. That's my. Those are my rules. <laughs> those are your rules. Leave babies There's alone. There's a whole debate on that on Twitter because I think Hillary Duff posted a picture of her baby and the baby had pierced ears, and people went off and said. That it was like child abuse. I just think like leave the fucking baby alone for a little bit. Maybe. You know what I mean? Don't buy. Let don't, them. Let them decide it. Yeah, man. Don't put holes in. Don't. Don't. Don't cut. Don't put. Nothing sharp should be near a baby. That's true. That's how I feel. I mean, I'm not a parent. What do I know? <laughs> do you? So I've heard this thing that I love that we're talking about this and we're about to talk about the most influential woman in uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the in the medical uh, field. But you have you heard this thing where you can paint shitty jewelry with clear nail polish and then put you can use it in Ew. your ear i know look <laughs> look <laughs> we're bored we're from the south we're bored. We'll, we'll, we'll be like oh that sounds legit that sounds okay um well i have some good news okay. not that that's not not that that's bad news but i have some good news for once in the realm of gender parity mm-hmm. in an industry so in 2017 which was Sounds like 15,000 years it ago, does. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, more than 60% of doctors in the U.S. were female. Hmm. Pretty cool numbers. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great news, except if you look at the racial makeup of these doctors, only 2% are black women. So we are light years behind getting right. any kind of racial gender parity in the medical industry. Also, really unacceptable considering the fact, and we have to speed this up, and I don't know, and, and and I'll talk more about ways to do that in in today's episode. But black women are four times as likely to die in childbirth than white women in this country, and their deaths are often preventable compared to white women. They already experience chronic premature stress on their bodies due to socioeconomic factors literally wearing them down. So. We need more advocates for black women in the medical field because they are being so mistreated by yeah. this industry. There was a whole thing that, um, because I read that statistic as well, and someone had wrote an article about it. I can't remember what, who or what it specifically was about, but it mostly was just talking about how black women are ignored by doctors as their pain is dismissed as like, they're being dramatic or they're being loud or they're, you know, it's not as bad. And that's why you, you dismiss people and then... Things happen. Doctors in general like to dismiss people a lot for things. They specifically like to dismiss women. And yeah. if you're also a, a black woman. Right. Like, and they're like, we definitely don't have to listen to you because you're fine. You're having a baby. Pain is normal. It's all bonkers. We mm-hmm. need we need definitely more um, even-handedness and listening and yeah. caring. If everything and, wasn't about money, everything would be better. Fuck yeah, you said it. <laughs> so are you ready to learn about a woman who wasn't going to put up with those motherfucking stats? Yes. <laughs> Okay, let's talk today about Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler, who was, have you ever heard, about her, her name is, she sounds like a clown, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry to say, Crumpler. but that, that, that's a, that's a, this is true, that's a bonkers name. Yeah. She, despite her name, Ciara, she became the first <laughs> black female physician in the U.S. Mm-hmm. She was born on February 8th, 1831 in Delaware but was raised in Pennsylvania with her aunt. Now, there's a, here's the thing with a lot of people who were discovered later. A lot of people were like in the 80s and 90s 
1980s and 1990s were like, oh, I just stumbled upon this person who might have been the most influential black female medical professional ever. Mm -hmm. So we don't know a lot about her. And we don't know why she moved to Pennsylvania with her aunt. But I... I'll just note that Delaware was still a slave state when she was born. And although she was born free, I'm sure the fucking residual effect of being around that right. kind of shit wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It doesn't say that her mother died or anything. It was just like she went to live with her auntie in Pennsylvania. And by the way, Delaware. So she was born in 1831. Delaware was a slave state until 1865. Mm. Can you imagine being almost 50 years old and... Slavery still exists, like being yeah. born into something and then that problem still existing. I mm-hmm. mean, I guess we there's some things we could probably yeah. talk about <laughs> that are similar, but right. that is such an arch destructive force mm-hmm. that even in her lifetime couldn't be dismantled. Mm-hmm. And then probably still had to live after it was abolished. Oh, I mean, just and the see that. look, slavery might have ended, but the shit that oh, came absolutely. with it didn't. Yeah. yeah. So What we do know about her living with her aunt was that Rebecca was greatly influenced by her, who, alongside with raising her niece, was also caring for all the ill people in her neighborhood. So Rebecca grew up in this house with a woman who was so nurturing, so giving, so selfless, and was super duper inspired by her. Do you have anybody in your family who you just absolutely look up to? You can't believe they're just this absolute super person? Probably my grandma. Just because she's so entertaining, like, I think we have a genetic gene for funniness, <laughs> hilarity, because she's so, like, I think she's 67, but she is gardening all the time, and she's moving around, like, she doesn't get jaded, she's, like, actively always calling people about politics, and she's just so entertaining, and it's cool, because it's not like a stale grandma, you know, she's she's got so much life and energy in her. That's Where do you really think she amazing. got? You think it's just her, just her nature? I don't know because I always want to ask her, like, how were you as a child? But I guess only my mom or my aunt could know, like, how she was growing up, which I'm sure might have been different. But I don't know. She's just so specific. Like, she's cool. She can dress really nice as well. It's she's awesome. She's with it. And she where she lives with me. Near she, me. Oh, she's here? Yeah. Well, no, not here. Well, I mean, in Los Angeles. She yes. is in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think she oh, grew up in Florida. Thank and moved God. Here. Oh, well, that's the thing. She she grew up in Florida, and she's like, fuck this shit. Yeah, and then moved out. Yeah. They're like, my hair is just, the humidity is not <laughs> Can't right. Can't deal with it. Can't do it. Well, she, is she, um, so she talks, like, does she talk to strangers about politics? No. Just no. calling our family, like, anytime. Like, I walked in her house the other day, and she was like, I know damn well Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> She's like, I was like, yes, this is true. Well, and <laughs> then was this before the, the the article where they said they found broken bones? In yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, She's, government. I want to see a detective agency run by your grandma. Oh, it would be insane. If me and her together, the conspiracy theories would just be like. Oh, I love we could be We could be YouTubers. I mean, you, I, look, I'm not joking. This is a great This is a great idea. Series. Do you know about, okay, wait, did you grow up with, did you always call her grandma or was there ever a Mima or a- I ga- called her Granny Ma. Granny Ma. Oh, that's a new one. That's different. I like it. You you put your own spin on I it. I did. <laughs> well, so you've obviously been, I mean, obviously you're going to start a detective agency with your grandma. Yes. So you, oh with gosh, your Granny Ma. That'd be so fun. That'd be so fun. So you can see like how influential one person in the family can be. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca- See, growing up with her aunt was like, um, I'm going to do the same thing. 
I'm going to make this happen. So when she finished high school, she went on to relieve the suffering of others. Here's how she did it. After high school, she went to Charleston, Massachusetts, and this was in 1851, was working for a nurse for eight years. Now, this is the thing. There were no nursing schools. Mm -hmm. There was none of this shit. You just went right to work and (laughs) everybody just prayed to God that you knew how to (laughs) find a vein. (laughs) I don't even know if they had that. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. This was a time when... Cough syrup had heroin in it, and you gave it to babies. Mm-hmm. This is a very dumb time for medicine. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. Oh, and cocaine. There was cocaine and actual and Coca-Cola. coke. Yeah. This is when that all that. St- I guess during this time, heroin and cough syrup. Heroin and cough Why? syrup. Get your baby to go to sleep. <laughs> Get your baby to go to sleep. <laughs> Get your baby high. <laughs> It was, it was like, it was basically like, they were like, oh, I think cocaine actually, much like Latisse, I might be getting this wrong, was used in surgery to numb the eye so they could do surgery, surgery on the eye. And then I don't know how the fuck they decided that it was then a stimulant. Give me a little bit of that coke to put in my coke. And then it just became a cool thing. They were like, oh, I finished the surgery. Then I licked my patient's eye. Right. And here we are. (gasps) Yeah. I don't know if that's what happened. (laughs) But it, but it was a gnarly time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine this, that, um, Rebecca was like, I'm sure she was helping in every way she could, but the medical industry was still kind of a new thing, Mm -hmm. you know, so they didn't have nursing school. They did have medical schools, as a matter of fact. And she was so good at what she did that the doctors who she worked with all got together and wrote letters of recommendation for her to be accepted into the New England Female Medical College, which, you know, you had to separate by gender then Mm because you didn't want... You don't want people fucking over cadavers or whatever they were. I don't know what they were afraid of. It was uncivilized. (laughs) Have you ever had your blood drawn? What kind of question is that? I don't know. I'm just like, because I have really good veins. Oh, you want to hear a funny story? It's like really easy to draw blood. But if you have a bad, if I've had one bad, it's hard to fuck up drawing blood for me. That's but fun. yet someone has done because it. Because me as a kid, I don't know if you can see it, but like, you see that vein? Yeah. So I thought that was a marker as a kid. So every time I'm in the shower, I'd be like, what? Why doesn't this marker come off? And I never like rubbed my skin off, but it's so difficult for them to find my veins. Probably because I'm anemic. What does it have to do with it being anemic? Are your are your veins just hard to find? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Probably just because my blood's already weird because of that and it's thinner. I got weird blood. You do? No, I <laughs> I just love that you said my blood is weird. <laughs> you do? <laughs> what kind of blood do you have? Weird. Weird blood. <laughs> I was just asking because obviously in this time, as I mentioned, unsophisticated. My blood shoots out though. What? Well, I mean, it comes out very fast. Not like it squirts everywhere, but like my blood pressure is, hello. Like it. It's, it's like screaming all yeah, the time. Yeah, they stick it in. They're like, doot, doot. You're just pumping those little vials full. Exactly. And I look over and I'm like, you got five that fast? They're like, yeah. Wow. Well, it's too bad you're anemic because you'd be really good at just giving blood all the time. Right? What happens? It takes a long time for like to stop bleeding. I don't Um, know. That can happen as well. Like I bled with my nose piercing and a little blood is normal, but I bled a lot. (gasps) It stopped though. But he was like, do you have thin blood? I was like. I got weird blood. Right. I was like, I don't know. I think so, I guess. Did you eat a vein? I don't know. Thin (laughs) blood. 
I feel like whoever did your nose piercing was probably a doctor back in 1851. Probably. Probably. She was, look, she was, what I'm saying is she was good at what she was doing. So if I was back then, if I was living back in that day and I had to get my blood drawn, I would be like, find me Rebecca. Right. And that's what these doctors saw in her too. And so she, at this time there was, there were zero black students in medical school. None, Mm -hmm. none, 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 none. And the female medical college in New England was like, okay, well, uh, we see that she's very talented and she's very kind and she obviously cares a lot. Um, we'll consider it. <laughs> so she was waiting on pins and needles to get in this place. Mm. And they did it. They accepted her. And I'm sure it wasn't fucking easy for her. Yeah. I don't know exactly how hard it was, but she graduated from medical school when there were zero female black doctors at this time and only 300 white female doctors. Mm. And the first female doctor, Elizabeth Blackwell, had just graduated medical school 11 years before Rebecca was into school. Can you imagine? Mm. Like, I'm trying to think of something. Like, okay, let's, okay, you are you want to be a director, possibly a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. We haven't decided yet, but one of those two <laughs> things. What if women were only allowed to be that 11 years ago? Um, basically. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Drops okay. Mike. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think that's actually, I think that's pretty quick progress, 11 years mm-hmm. from zero female doctors to 300, and now we're admitting, I right. mean, look, I'm more of a sea change kind of lady. I like, I like to burn the place down and then mm-hmm. start fresh, but I'll take this kind of progress. Mm-hmm. And it was really a shame that there were so little female doctors because you know at this time. There were no male doctors out there looking at a female's anatomy and being like, we got to understand all this. Yeah. I doubt that they were even concerned with that. I mean, this was the time when also there was a, a, a diagnosis of hysteria, mm-hmm. which they would treat with. Do you know about this? I don't know the treatment. The treatment was how vibrators were invented. So you would go in with a list of ailments. By the way, I prefer being ignored to this to this situation. <laughs> Going with a list of elements, which is anything from hypertension to depression to whatever the name it, just any mm-hmm. anything, and they would go. You know what you you have you have hysteria you have a, which is derived from something like sick womb or your womb disease. So they always everything was attributed to your reproductive organs. Mm-hmm. So doctors were straight up like jerking women off as treatment. Ew. Them? Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. That was the treatment. Also, And that's your doctor. So you're like, I guess he knows. I know, isn't it? Just, but that's how vibrate. That's apparently how vibrators were invented because the doctors were so tired of jerking off women who had terrible. actual medical problems that they invented oh a machine to do. Wow. I know. But also it's just like you would think at the time that probably religion was running high. Oh, so I mean. Like, what is going on here? I know. And the fact that your doctor... Uh, everything's gross about it. You need female doctors because you at least have somebody who has the same body as you. Mm. Anyway, that was a whole tangent. It was important though because I know somebody is going to be angry about that. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be good. Yeah, someone's going to be real angry about it. Did you know? (laughs) I can't believe this. Did you know that? (laughs) It's going to be me for the next Also, the idea that like, that, that there are tools that cut out a male... Or partner need in sexual situations that was birthed from a misdiagnosis from doctors during this period. 
Like that whole That's trajectory weird. is so yeah. crazy to think about. Anyway, Dr. Crumpler, she's in, she's in the medical school. She how did she pay for it? She got a tuition from the Wade Scholarship Fund, which was created by Ohio abolitionist Benjamin Wade. And she graduated on March 1st, 1864, four years after her admission to the institution. Took her four years to complete medical school, which sounds impressive. But when I tell you that she had to take a break in the middle because of the Civil War, it sounds impossible. How do you graduate medical school in two years? Hmm. She had to, in the middle, she had to be like, I guess I can't do this because there's literal buildings being burnt down. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, did she, did she pat herself on the back after she became a doctor and said, all right, now it's smooth sailing. No. It was not easy for her. Here's some things that happened to her. Male doctors flat out ignored her or snubbed her. Uh, one time a druggist balked at filling her prescriptions. Like, what? The, who the fuck do you think you are? You know, that whole know your place situation. Some people even had a joke about her that the MD behind her name stood for mule driver. Wow. I mean, just dis-fucking-respect. So this was in Boston, which is still a very racist city mm-hmm. in the north, in the, in New England. It's a problem that I think liberal states need to be addressing way more than they are. Yeah. I was talking with my friend about this because I was trying to figure out, like, what would be the best option in terms of, like, helping, not necessarily helping, but, like, giving racist people therapy in a way like exposure therapy even my friend just said kill the racist i was like uh i don't know that's probably you know that's a that's that a step the... above what oprah said which is yeah. we just need to let them all, let them all right. die yeah exactly that's what everyone's saying and i'm like okay but that's not gonna get rid of the problem you need to give people exposure because they're still having kids and stuff. people yeah it's like you just need to expose people or force them into exposure what if it's um don't be an asshole camp and you just have people you can do whatever Maybe. you're like are you a misogynist? You're going to go in, you're going to do this camp for a week. Are you a yeah. racist? You're going to do this. But here's the thing. And this is the problem with all willingness. It's willingness. It's also like, whose burden is it to learn or to teach, yeah. you know? And I, by yeah. the way, I do think as, uh, look, I'm a cisgendered white woman. Mm-hmm. It is uh, from a place of, place of privilege that I say, I will straight up be like, if someone's a misogynist, they'll be like, here's what's wrong with your thinking. Yeah. But I have a safer pedestal to right. do that on right. than other people. Like, if I was a black trans woman, I wouldn't I, – I don't know if I would feel safe to do something yeah, like exactly. that. To educate someone, you know? Mm-hmm. That's also a topic of, like, it's not our job to teach people. It depends. Like, I know advocates who are in, in – in, like, I know, again – they're white and they're male, mm-hmm. but they're gay and they're gay, not but they're gay and they're gay who feel like it is their job to, to, to right. teach and advocate. I just look, we have to get rid of racism in the school systems. Oh, it's there's, it just it it's reinforced so in such many different institutions. It's just like it's it's crazy, like how deep racism and hierarchy just goes. It's in not this even that it's like, for example, like it's not even that it's taught. It is taught in schools by omission. Often, mm-hmm. like, you're like, let's learn about black history. Martin Luther King. The end. Yeah. Like, that's a problem. The fact that it's not, that there aren't, that all history is basically white, cisgender, male mm-hmm. history. But also, like, when you're in a school and you see 
and you're white and you see your black friend getting in trouble more than you, who's not acting any different, that gets, that soaks into your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you think that they deserve it somehow. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you have enough cognitive ability to be like, this is fucked up. But right. you're, you're a kid. What do you know? These are adults are making decisions. You think that they're exactly. in a position of, you know, authority and righteousness. I, I do, I wonder, because I, like, I'm thinking about Dr. Crumpler and, like, all, just living in a city like Boston, living in a place where slavery is still um, happening, and even after it happens, this just, like, reimagining of, like, so if slavery's abolished, then what? There was no system in place to help people, help freed slaves, like, assimilate Mm. so she did something amazing so she had a she was doing her thing in boston she was specifically helping women children and poor people in boston and she moved to richmond virginia to help freed slaves who had no access to medical care sometimes she had thirty thousand clients at one time, thirty. Th- she serviced thirty thousand people at like at a time. She would have like mm. that many people looking to see her because mm. a no one was helping and b she was the, one of the few people down there doing stuff. You know, America was like, here's the thing you wanted. Good luck. Mm. Pat on the head. After she was done in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, she went back to Boston and continued her work with the poor and. children and women and lived out the rest of her life there. Unfortunately, that's all we know about her. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this we know from a book that she wrote in 1883 called A Book of Medical Discourses in Two Parts. And um, it was basically a lot of this is from the foreword of her book. And her her foreword of her book was a collection of all the medical knowledge that she had, so accessible to anybody who couldn't go to medical school. And it was dedicated to nurses and mothers. Mm. In the intro. I mean, like to so many women in this series, Dr. Crumpler fought a mountain in her life to achieve her dream. And which no one should have to do, especially when your dreams are like her so selfless. But she didn't listen to all the people saying no. And that is a lesson that I want everyone to take. That there are going to be nefarious forces out there standing in the way of you doing what you want. And you have to kick them right in the fucking balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Ciara, this is the part of the show where we illustrate to our audience how easy it is to incorporate facts about Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler into everyday conversations, or as I'm calling them now, teen surveys, which rolls right off the tongue. So I'm going to read a scenario you might find yourself in, and then you're going to read this easy-to-remember casual response. Are you ready? Okay. Scenario one. You're with a friend who's been growing out her bangs for two years. Her name is Schnod. Don't ask. She's super frustrated because they still won't tuck behind her ears. This is what you say to Schnod. Schnod, if Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler can work as a nurse for eight years before being admitted into medical school as the first black female medical student... You can take a couple of keratin steps for six more months. Yeah, and apparently keratin is good for growing out your bangs. I guess so. I found out. You see, you can do Rebecca Lee Crumpler. You can do keratin treatments. <laughs> like you can, you can kill so many birds with just <laughs> one tiny little sentence. Okay, scenario two. 
You've been working on a short film with an actress who's upset she's not a household name already. As a good director, you take the soft and direct approach. You say, Listen, Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler, America's first black female doctor, died in relative anonymity until 1989 when two lady doctors founded the Rebecca Lee Society. They support black female doctors and give out scholarships. So please stop burning me with your self-esteem issues. Now, this was inspired by a guy I did a commercial with who was tired of America not knowing his name. That's exactly what he said to me in the makeup tent. <laughs> he said, you know, I'm just, I go, I go, uh, I'd asked, I asked him nothing. And he was just like, you know, I'm really, really tired of America not knowing my name. <laughs> and I, sorry, and guess sorry. what? Does anybody know who this guy is? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> That's a, when you have that kind of attitude and you want it too much, the universe hears you and exactly. says, never, never, never. Okay. Scenario three, you're in Boston with nothing to do and you've got three pals with you. Finally, this idea hits you. Y'all, the Boston Women's Heritage Trail has Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler's house on tour. They're self-guided. What the crap are we waiting for? Now, I don't know if you'd say what the crap. I No. What would you say? What are we waiting for? Great, <laughs> just you wouldn't would even just... be... <laughs> Get right to the chase. Right to it. <laughs> Ciara, thank you so much for lending us your heart and your smarts today. Absolutely. History the Sequel is built on the backs of amazing dead women who created the opportunities you have today. Researched by Alex Everhart, that's at Alex Icon Devil. Produced by Cody Fisher, engineered by Cody Fisher. Edited by Sam Kiefer. And this episode was hosted by Aaron and Ciara. everybody. My name is Dr. Kimberly Brown and I am an emergency medicine physician in Memphis, Tennessee. I am bringing you the second day of the hashtag Black History, Black Health. So Dr. Crumpler is a special inspiration to me being a black female physician. She completely paved the way for me, especially at a time when black women were not doctors. We were field hands. We were slaves. We were working in homes and we were definitely not providing medical care for the population around us. I found it beautiful that she went back and served her community and she specially cared for other women and children and made sure their lives were better. 